Hello and welcome to episode 17 of the Once a Dabber podcast, the podcast dedicated to all things Nantwich East Town, with discussion of the Northern Premier League and Northern League football, with a sprinkling of the wider world of football. I'm Murray Watson, and I'm joined as usual by Ryan Batty, who is no longer the Nantwich Town Presses Officer for next season. So there's been changes starting this Saturday, Ryan. So what are they? So, unfortunately, I've had to, uh, well, I think you might have seen, if you if you follow the club or myself on Twitter, um, I've had to take a step back from the uh, from the press officer role. Um, I think I said it in the last podcast as well, which is a bit unfortunate because, obviously, uh, I've loved every second of being at the club. It's always been uh, it's been brilliant every time. Um, but, unfortunately, because of uh, personal reasons, like I've got A-levels coming up, I've had to take a quick step back. Um and oh, you won't get the grades you want anyway because they're downgrading them all anyway. Exactly, yeah. Um, but hopefully uh, our new press team, and I'm sure I'm confident they will, will step in and do really well. And what, who are the new team? So if people that just to get to know them because they'll start getting press releases from them, possibly hearing of them on the commentary, and we'll try and get them on the podcast. So who are they? So we've got Sam McGarrigal, who is a uh, marketing marketing expert. Uh, he ran the Beer Dock, I believe, and crew in Nantwich, if you're familiar with the, the area. Uh, he's one of our new press officers, as well as Jack Beresford, who was formerly of Sandbach United, uh, making a step up to the Weaver Stadium. And we've got Liam Price, who was with us last season in the media assistant role, but he stepped up again now uh, to uh, the press officer role, uh, just to tie us over with that little bit of experience from last season. So a brilliant setup, and I'm, uh, I've got full faith in their abilities. Yeah, it should be really, really good. And um, I actually have got a funny feeling this is going to be a fantastic season for the club. But before we start, we can just um, go through the contact details. If you want to contact us, contact the podcast on Twitter at NTFC Podcast. And today, Friday the 14th of August, is the one year anniversary of us being on Twitter. Because I was having a look at it this morning and it came up. And I thought, I'm not going to be one of these ones that puts that silly balloon, welcome to Twitter for a year. But we've been on Twitter for a year. Congratulations. Happy birthday, Brian. <laughs> Thank you very much. Uh, and you can contact me, Murray Watson, at M-D-W-A-T-S, M-D-Watts. And you can contact Ryan on? Uh, at Ryan Batty 13 And you can also contact the club at the Dabbers. And... Um, but at the moment, I'd probably contact us just to keep us in the swing of things because um, they'll just be getting their feet underneath the table there. So looking back at what's been happening, it's we're all building up for pre-season. And I have to admit, I think it was a couple of weeks ago, the club announced the Nantwich Town Just Giving page and trying to raise £20,000 to keep the club going. And... Absolutely fantastic first couple of weeks. It's blown it out of the water. And what is it currently at then, Ryan? So the Just Giving page is currently on £12,780. As you say, Murray completely blown us away uh, the last couple of weeks. We set it up uh, two Saturdays ago um, on the first of the month, on the 1st of August. And just in two weeks, basically, we've raised... uh, over 60% of our target. We're closing on £13,000. It's been a superb response from the uh, from the community. We've had people who, not even specifically Nantwich Town fans, but fans of other clubs, 
fans from uh, f- from Crew Alexandria, our local neighbours, obviously a lot of people who maybe not haven't been to a Nantwich game before, but recognise the importance of non-league football, especially in a community like uh, Nantwich, and uh, want to see a club such as Nantwich, one, uh, one of you know a really well-run club, unfortunately, obviously affected pretty hard by the pandemic, a club, and they want to uh, sort of. Uh, Give us a helping hand, and as we've said on the Twitter, if you follow us on Twitter or Facebook, uh, every person who donates to us uh, gets a, gets a nice thank you message just to say thank you because obviously uh, we know that any donations, big or small, um, could be a bit, could be pretty big for uh, for whoever uh, donates them. If it's five pounds, if it's ten pounds, if it's one thousand five hundred pounds, in the case of one of our sponsors, I'm sure we'll get onto in a minute. Um, all donations are greatly appreciated. And um, if you do, if you would like to donate, then please, uh, then please follow the link in our. If you if you listen to this on the Nantwich Town website, there will be a link in the uh, in the description of the podcast where you can go and donate. Even if you can't donate, please don't feel uh, obligated to donate. But if you can share it with as many people as you know, maybe put it in a WhatsApp group, maybe put it in a Facebook group of people who you, who you know, send it to maybe one of your friends. Um, anything that can share this. Uh, this appeal round it keeps the club going keeps the club alive because everyone in the local area is proud of this uh, amazing football club that does not deserve to die at, um, in in circumstances out of their control so if you can uh, if you can donate please uh, please feel free to donate uh, every little helps in the in the in the, in the words of uh, a supermarket chain but please um do have a go and have go and have a quick read of a uh, our story on our Just Giving page, um, any support, uh, big or small, as I say, will be greatly appreciated by all at the club. It keeps the club going, keeps the club alive for uh, for as long as, it, as as long as we can. It's a it's a great appeal, and as I've said, the the outpouring of um, support for the club has been unbelievable over the last couple of weeks. So let's try and keep that going. Yeah, and well, just in case you don't want them, you can go. It's justgiving.com forward slash crowdfunding forward slash Natwich Town hyphen football club. So that's justgiving.com forward slash crowdfunding forward slash Natwich Town hyphen football club. Yep, brilliant. Uh, over almost £13,000 raised. Absolutely fantastic. And the key thing you look at it is you then look at teams like Droylsden, who've had to mothball for the season. This year, they've actually said that they will not be able to complete the season. So it just shows how near the breadline all these clubs are. And there's been a lot of um, fundraising for the clubs throughout. And Natwich is now raising it here because I think Natwich are probably, I wouldn't say fortunate, but they've got that little bit of a buffer because of the really successful FA Cup runs they've had in the last couple of years. But that money is there to safeguard the future. Rather than which is shows what the club have done as well, rather than just splashing it on big players to get very quickly, very get up the leagues fast and quick. Exactly, yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, so that that's the thing. So preseason starts tomorrow. If, so if you're listening to this on after Saturday the fifteenth, yesterday, uh, their host, the Nantwich, will be travelling to the Red Industry Stadium in Newcastle. Uh, to play Newcastle, and then there's a two-week break where they play. Then play Witchport, Allport. Then they they play Leek on Tuesday, the first of September, and then the first game at the Weaver is at 
Southport, uh, they're hosting South Post. Uh, unfortunately, as because of football at this level, or at any level, there will be no uh, fans in the ground. Uh, so, But it's good that competitive football is going to get back. We hope to bring you some commentary, but we haven't got anything in place yet because of all the COVID restrictions. So if we have, we will put it on the podcast. We're hoping, fingers crossed, that we will be able to supply commentary at least at the game at home to Southport on the 5th of September. No promises, but all, all going well. We're hoping for that. No promises, as I say, because it's a bit like you've got to go through all these things, quite rightly, because um, something we will mention later on, uh, if football clubs don't follow it, it, it spoils it for everybody else. But yeah, that's what's coming up now. So, and the things that happen within the club have been really supportive. And that reminds me that even though we've got the pre-season starting, uh, we mentioned a very, very sizable donation came from Whitby Morrison ice cream vans uh, over the crowdfunding era. And the really nice thing is they've done the donation they've done is on top of the actual continuing sponsorship that they're actually doing of Nantwich, which is absolutely fantastic. I know they've um, carried on their sponsorship with Crew Alex as well. And they realise, I think, like a lot of people, what a community, what a community club like this does for the community. Exactly, yeah. So, uh, Wavy Morrison, as uh, you'll know, if you've supported the club for a while, um, or even if, you, even if you've gone to a couple of games at the Weaver Stadium, they sponsor our uh, stand opposite the main stand, the uh, terrace stand across the way. Um, as they they also uh, sponsor Crew Alexandra's away end at Gresty Road. So obviously a really uh, strong local business looking to support local football teams. Uh, Ed Whitby, who is the guy in charge of Whitby Morrison, I think is also a part owner of Whitchurch Alport, if I uh, if I'm not mistaken. So obviously strong ties to the community with Whitby Morrison, and it's brilliant to see that uh, Whitby Morrison are continuing their support of the Dabbers. Um, as well as donating such a, uh, a generous sum of money. Extremely generous donation there from uh, from Whitby Morrison. Obviously, everyone at the club would like to place on record. It's thanks. It's, um, it, it's such a kind donation and uh, will really help in the long running of keeping Nantwich Town alive. So brilliant support as well. It's brilliant to see such a, 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 lo- a local business that's so ingrained in the community Um being able to uh, support the uh, the local football teams is brilliant because you know you go everywhere and you see Whitby Morrison. I was in Sheffield the other week uh, looking at you're looking at the University of Sheffield. Um, obviously couldn't go in anywhere, but I was just having a look around the city and there was a Whitby Morrison ice cream van there. So obviously, uh, you know they reach far and wide. Um, all tracing back to where uh, it's home and crew. Brilliant to see um, such a great local business um, helping uh, the club out. Yeah, absolutely fantastic. And long may it continue. Right, so we're going to move on to the team of the Dave Cook era. And just before we went came on air, when I was talking to Ryan about this, I realised I made a major, uh, try and watch my language here, a major balls up. Because <laughs> I, I'd read it as team of the decade. So I've got saying, oh, hang on. This is a bit controversial. No Matty Coslo, no Josh Hancock, no Andy White, no Elliot Osborne, no Liam Shotton. And then luckily, just before we came on the air, when I said we were going through that, uh, Ryan reminded me about the team of the Dave Cook era. So I thought I'd get that in there just be- just before Ryan says something uh, 
during the conversation. I'm not daft. So, uh, the, t- the team of the Dave Cook era. If you have a little look through the team, it lines up as a 4-4-2. And it's Will Jaskalainen in goals, a back four of Matty Devine, Troy Bourne in the fullbacks, Josh Langley and Joel Stair in the middle of the centres. Then on the left, we've got Luke Walsh. On the right, we've got Joe Wazali, a midfield of Captain Casper Hughes and Sean Cook. And up front, Danny Glover and Joe Malkin. Uh, not a bad team. Not at all. What are so, your thoughts? Um, obviously, I, it's, it, I thought, well, it's a great great idea, obviously, with people, obviously. I've realised that a lot of people love a good uh, a poll and a lot a good discussion about who's the best, you know, Nantwich players, you know, the teams and things like that. And I thought this would be quite a good one, considering uh, Dave Cook recently celebrated three years at the club, say recently, back in May. Um, <laughs> but no... Obviously, it just came to me that a lot of, we've had a, re, a lot of really strong players playing for Nantwich, and uh, it's good to have a look back and see, you know, who who performed admirably, who was probably one of the best players, and uh, it's nice to see that we've got a, a strong eleven out there that I think probably I could say hand on heart would probably win the league, um, possibly I think maybe uh, one or two different players in different positions maybe, um, but you know I thought it was a really strong team. Um, I did. I was a bit. I was a bit frustrated because I, I saw a lot of people sort of moaning about the selections, and I said, "Well, firstly, it's a fan poll, like it's fan voting. <laughs> also, it's like, well, I think one of the polls was Joe Malkin uh, and David Forbes and some of the two other strikers who have all played for the club, and someone was moaning about the selection. I was like, well, I did it on a random number generator, so it's not like I like." orchestrated the polls or anything so uh, we could fit in a different player and but no honestly really good uh, selection there um glad to see that a lot of Nantwich fans have been chipping in with their uh, with their support and they uh, really strong team there I mean I think maybe uh I think one of the most controversial ones was I, I thought Jamie Morgan would get in at right back but Troy Bourne absolutely walloped him in the polls I think it's uh the fact he's uh Mr Nantwich uh Mr uh Mr Troy Bourne never having to buy a drink in the uh in the town again after uh such a uh, an amazing season, especially that that um, goal in the FA Cup against Kings Lynn. Yeah, it's because when, when I looked at this, I was thinking, ah, I know we went a four four two, but I'd have tried to find a place for Jimmy Laurie. Yeah, that that that's the only one that I was probably looking at, uh, and I to be I probably I'd have probably tried to play a three five two. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's just one of these ones about. How to do it because um, potentially I know we didn't see Joe Dav- much of Joe Davis, but potentially putting Joe Davis in the back three, yeah, or Toby Malarkey because he's well, we'll come we'll mention at the end, he's been um, integral in the in Phil Parkinson getting to the National League. Mm-hmm. So it's one of these ones, it's because I know there's a Jimmy Laurie fan club from Daniel Hardman and Dan Kerr where both are sort of saying, Hang on, where's Jimmy Laurie? So yeah. they've got some some people there but yeah it's, it's a very strong team but then you look at it and go what would you change he's probably the only one I potentially would have yeah well um I thought that it's a bit it's a bit of an odd one because we we did um let people choose the formation um so there was a poll for formation and three five two I think maybe was number two to be honest I would have gone with um I would have gone with four three three myself 
Um, I thought that would help to put in the the, uh, the three-man midfield. Um, it would have given maybe a place for, uh, as you say, Jimmy Laurie or or Matt Bell or uh, David Webb, even if you wanted to go that way. Um, and then obviously could keep the, the two wingers and then just have to change one of the strikers. Um, but apart from that, no, I thought the team was the team is pretty strong. Um, yeah, as you say, I think the formation was probably maybe a little bit different. I thought, and and to be honest, I think Jamie Laurie deserves a, a place in that team, possibly over Sean Cook. Do we? Is that a uh, is that a discussion that we want to have? I'm not sure. We'll have to see in the uh, we'll have to see if there's a a conversation about that in the near future. Yeah, it's it's one of these ones. That, um, if you actually look at them, because I don't think Sean had the best of seasons because of an injury last season, and that's probably colouring us slightly what we think. But the first couple of years, he was standout because that's you sometimes only remember the last game. Yeah, exactly. So it's one of these ones. But I was going to say that the the closest was uh, when you had Harry Clayton and Danny Glover, 0.7%. I know. Uh, between them so that was very very uh, very tight and then you've got Luke Walsh or Nathan Cottrell uh, on the left that was close as well so yeah it's um, I think it'd be a side that would put us within touching distance of the Northern League North and I think the only one that you'd say is a definite is um, Will Jaskalane just the fact that he's now uh, he's now going to be playing what League One next season yeah League One for the Alex yeah yeah, so yeah, it's um, it was quite a good team. So that's positive for the future. So therefore, and I think a lot of them are still there for next season. So that is what we'll be looking for. Exactly. And in any game that they were they would be playing, you might be able to have the referee of the quarterfinal of the Champions League, Mr. <laughs> Taylor. Exactly. Yes. Well, yeah, I mean, Anthony Taylor, obviously, as uh, you might have seen on Twitter, was the um, was the referee for one of the uh, Champions League quarterfinals the other night. If you've been following the uh, the European fixtures, obviously, um, I mean, I mean, I don't know if you've been following Murray. Obviously, no Scottish teams involved in the uh, involved in that round of the competition. Scottish football. Don't talk about Scottish football. It's the biggest fallacy, most corrupt organisation. Oh, exactly. Uh, Which uh, don't. Don't get me going there, and I'm I'm not going to talk about it, or I'll be going off one 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 for ten minutes. Murray's got his tinfoil hat on. Um, so um, no, obviously, if you've been watching the quarterfinals of the uh, European competitions, you'll you might have seen Anthony Taylor. Um, obviously, uh, Premier League referee was in charge of the um, was in charge of the quarterfinal of the Champions League, and has also been in charge of uh, the Antwerp Town's Chess Senior Cup final last evening at Camel Aird. Maybe a bit of a strange appointment, but as far as I'm aware, he's an Altrincham fan, and obviously the game was at was at Altrincham. Um, so I think he was. I think it was probably one of his uh, what sort of a a, a a nice sort of thing to do to step in for that one. Um, Rob Woods on Twitter, if you if you follow him, one of Antwerp Town's biggest fans, one of his uh, most lo- one of the most loyal fans, um, suggested that he was a rubbish ref, which I said maybe a little bit harsh on there uh, on Mr. Taylor, but no, obviously. Um, all well, all uh, all fun and games. Um, hopefully, uh, hopefully he's uh, safe as well, especially considering he's refereeing in such a uh, in such strange circumstances. But apart from that, no, um, you know it was it was a bit it was it was interesting, but obviously, uh, well, I, I'm sure he, I'm sure he preferred the Chelsea Union Cup final over that pesky Champions League uh, quarter final. Although I know you said that it was because he was an Altrincham fan. I think it was really, really nice 
when you look back on it, that there's a guy that's at the top of his profession. No, no doubts about that. And he actually came through Northwest Counties. He refereed three years in the Northern Premier before he moved up through the systems. And the fact is, he's a local lad. They asked him to do it. I think it's fantastic. It's because it's one of these ones. It's when you get a lot of um, people coming back to their roots. Because I know it's going off site tangent. It's a bit like there's a guy that's uh, start come back to Stafford Rugby Club this year. He's actually he's from Stafford originally, uh, and he's played for Connick for Glasgow Warriors. He's played Montpellier in France. He's played for Exeter Chiefs. He's played for Bristol Bears. And it's not just in the squad. He's actually been a, an, a Premiership winner with with them. And then you look at it and you go, but he's now come back to give something back to the local area. And I think it's fantastic when people do that. Do you know what I mean? Because it's they, they, they realise if it hadn't been for the Cheshire Senior Cup and the Northern Premier League, he wouldn't have got to where he was. So I actually think it was good of him to do it. But then he's still a referee, so they're always wrong anyway. <laughs> exactly, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so that's, I think, at the moment, all we've got about... Um, the about the Northern Premier League at the moment because we mentioned about Droylston uh, going out but another little tidbit is um, it's been announced that there'll be no FA Cup replays this season because of the shortened season which I have to admit I kind of like and I hope fingers crossed that they extend it to the FA Trophy but if they extend it to the FA Trophy they keep it on permanently because I think if you look at clubs, when Nantwich got to the uh, semi-final, they ended up playing about six games in 10 days at the end of the season because the games went to replays and they had to get rescheduled. It's And it's the replays that actually throws everything out because of the midweek matches. Yeah, exactly. Look, I mean, replays are a traditional part of FA Cup, uh, of FA Cup folklore. Um, it's the it's the home. If a lower league side gets through and holds them to a draw away from home, then they'll get a big home tie against the Giants. But unfortunately, today's I mean, it's difficult because obviously you put you want part of that, but also it's the suggestion of you know home advantage and things like that. Which I, does it does it exist much anymore? Home advantage? I think to be honest, you're you're finding out during the uh, during the um, the restart, you'll see a lot. I think a lot of away teams winning more than they would usually do. So maybe showing that home advantage is really a thing when there's a when there's a crowd in place. But no, it's difficult because obviously the replays are, are a pivotal part in what makes the FA Cup the FA Cup. But we could also say that FA, that replays are completely outdated and you know they're more. It's it's better to settle games on the day. And um, as you said in the FA Trophy, there used to be an option to either uh, ask for a replay or to have extra time penalties. Uh, I'm not sure if it's still a thing now with uh, with clubs, uh, whether they can agree um, either extra time or, or a replay. Um, but again, I think the replay really benefits the smaller clubs, uh, such as Nantwich, such as teams in our league. So, you know, if it's, it's a difficult one because the teams who are always fighting for, to win the FA Cup won't need to worry about the... Uh, the the uh, the replay um it just adds another sort of spanner into the works but teams like Nantwich could mean a real financial gain um like 
I, don't, I can't even think of an example, but say if Nantwich were to have held Stevenage uh, two years ago, uh, sorry, three years ago, should I say, in the FA Cup um, to a draw, I mean, for, for a lot of the game, it looked likely, I mean, I say it was a 5-0 in the end, but it was it was the most sort of uh, flattering 5-0 result you'll see. If Nantwich were to have held Stevenage and got a replay at the Weaver Stadium for the following Saturday, then that could have seen a gate of nearly 2,000 people, 3,000 people. And that would have meant a real financial boost for Nantwich Town. So it's, it's, it's a really difficult one when it comes to replays. Obviously, I can see why they've scrapped it. And I think they've been wanting to scrap it for a while. I think the FA, that's sort of been on the FA's agenda to scrap the replays. And now because they've got an excuse to do it, I think, you know, they've, they've, they've finally been able to pull the trigger and give it uh, something to blame. Do you know what I mean? I mean, it's it's sort of like a a cabinet reshuffle in uh, in Parliament, where sort of if you make an error, then we get a reshuffle, and that sort of that cabinet minister uh, sort of gets swept under the rug because obviously he wanted to be sacked, but they didn't want the publicity of him being sacked. It's sort of like that. They didn't want the publicity of just scrapping replays and getting the outburst. Whereas with this, it's a bit more understandable, and they're just I think they're just going to try and sweep it under the carpet so no one remembers uh, <laughs> this time next year um, to bring replays back for the next season. But it'll be interesting to see what happens with the replays. Right, I'm going to disagree with you. <laughs> Which yeah. is the thing. Uh, I think this all this about, oh, we want to get to a replay so that we can go to Old Trafford, go to Crewe and get a big gate. I think it sort of devalues the FA Cup. Because I think if you're at home, you go for it and you get the bonus of getting through because you get more money. These clubs that bank on this, I just think it's um, it lets you go for it. Because well, if you're drawn away at crew, you get the money. Would having a, a crowd of 2,000 if we'd got Stevenage, I don't, when you think about it, you then would have to have more police because you don't get police at the, at the dabbers. You're going to have to have segregation in it etc and it's one of these ones I'm not sure I think it's been always been a sort of something in the back of my mind when you go on and say actually you should be going to win it not See, worrying about the replay because it's I know it's all financial but you get through you get a wadge of money you say that but I think the financial benefit say right let's put ourselves in the in the in the shoes of a league two club like an un, unnamed league two club who, if they were to draw Man United in the third round of the FA Cup at home, then their gate receipts would be, you know, if you're splitting it in half, say if they've got a seat, uh, if, uh, if say if they've got a stadium with about 10,000 capacity, you know, they're splitting it in half, so they get, you know, half uh, 5,000 seats worth of a gate receipts. Say that's what, and I'll, I'll put maths to you, Murray, um, if you're selling tickets at 20 quid a pop, and you get five thousand of that. Um, hundred thousand. Exactly. So you get hundred. Yeah, exactly. And then if you force replay and get to go to Old Trafford, that all if you that Old Trafford will get a, a gate there of fifty thousand, maybe a little bit less, maybe between forty five and fifty thousand. Um, again, gate receipts are halved in the FA Cup. Uh, United will have tickets for a little bit pricier. Maybe maybe not actually if it's lead to lead to opposition. 
And I think the benefits of a uh, of a of an away draw against the big side, I think probably outweigh passage to the next round. And also, realistically, you're not going to get through against Manchester United at home. It's just, you know, we saw that with Tranmere this season. Tranmere played United in the in the third round. Tranmere lost six 0 to United. They were very it was very uh, dubious they were ever going to play for. I think they were obviously going to play for a draw and try and get a replay. But you could see that they weren't going for it. They were playing. They were sitting back and trying to soak up United's attacks. Didn't really work. Um, the, the biggest example this season was Shrewsbury. You're almost, you're almost backing my argument here. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if I am. I think. I think. I personally, I would try and go for a replay. Try and get the bigger gate receipts, especially if my club was in dire straits. If I was Macclesfield, for example, or Southend, who were obviously been relegated. And I was in dire straits, and I was in financial peril. A game like that at Old Trafford would would do brilliant. It would uh, wouldn't sort me out, I think, especially. But I think it would go a long way to doing that. And I think that is, I think, a massive part of what the FA what makes the FA Cup the FA Cup. If we're talking about what devalues the FA Cup, I think it's teams playing weaker weaker sort of 11s. Well, that I, goes without saying. That yeah, I agree. The whole thing with Liverpool this season was a disgrace. And I'm not. I'm not saying that as a Man United fan. Yes, you are. No, I'm not at all. I've. I would. I would have been disgraced if it was United. I would have been absolutely disgraced because, I mean, United tried to do that in '99 when they won the uh, when they won the F, uh, the FA Cup when they won the Champions League. Sorry, and had to pull out of the FA Cup to play in the uh, World Club Cup. Um, they wanted to play the kids uh, in the FA Cup, and I, I. I mean, I wasn't alive at the time, but I probably would have been against it, and I would be against it today. It devalues a really prestigious competition that isn't treated upon as well anymore, which is a bit unfortunate. But you know, there's a multitude of different things. But big clubs playing playing weaker sides, I think, is a lack of respect as well. You saw, I don't know if you saw early in the season, Murray, but Man City hosted Port Vale, and Guardiola went out of his way to play Aguero, plays one of his full strength sides. And as much as I don't like sticking up for Guardiola because I think he's, you know, I can't be having with the fella. That's a really solid move to play because, you know, I think it's more of a respect gesture to pull out pull out your strongest team. He did that against um, Burton as well. When exactly. I think they turned them over. And I think that's the big difference. It's because Liverpool, I think, fielded a slightly weakened side as well because of the World Club Championships. And I think being this is where um, the FA were caught. They got a lot of stick in 99, 2000 about letting Man United pull out of the FA Cup which they should never have been allowed to do they should have just gone with it but then this time they've done it the, the other way and Liverpool fielded a, a weakened side because they had to put the youngsters because it was physically difficult for them to play two games on two continents in three three days And but it's one of these ones I think the FA have started to devaluate it exactly. from way back in 99 but the, the, this is the annoying thing because obviously it's with the squad depth today, especially in the Premier League level, for example, like Liverpool, the squad depth would make it far easier to split the squad in two, take some kids to wherever the World Club Cup was, Qatar, I think it was, and then take some kids to the Liverpool uh, to the um, FA Cup game and still play a relatively strong team. You know, maybe Allison plays in the in the World Club Cup and Adrian plays in the FA Cup, or vice versa. Do you know what I mean? I think Liverpool have got a really and this is, I think, a big one with Man City as well. Man City have got probably two quality players for every position, and I think that's a bit, a bit more, uh, a bit fairer on on some of the 
um, the the smaller sides. Um, and I think it, I, no, I, I didn't I didn't like uh, obviously uh, Liverpool being all uh, sort of playing um, a weakened side. I don't like any side playing a weakened side. I think it disrespects the opponent. Um, but I can understand why they do it because it sort of tries to reduce injuries and but. It's the FA Cup. It's a chance to send your fans to Wembley and chance to lift silverware. And every team's agenda in football should be to win silverware, to win trophies, because you don't get you're not a successful club if you don't win matches, you don't win trophies and things like that. So I think that was the, that was probably the biggest thing um, to take out from the uh, from the whole um, FA Cup devaluation. Yeah, this is actually just reminds me. This will probably be before your time when you're talking about size of squad they used to have it in the fa that by a certain date you had to name i think about a 25 or 30 man squad yeah that you couldn't change except in the windows but you're you were asked to do this is when blackpool were in the league and this is just where this is where what you're saying i agree with you 100 is that i think ian holloway were playing man united either at old trafford and he fielded what you would argue is a weakened side. Do you know what I mean? Because yeah. he thought, we're not going to take anything from Old Trafford, which is his right, because it's a league match. But he then got fined for fielding a weakened side, even though Man United had fielded not as weak a side, but a weakened side in the FA Cup. It did, they did win. It's not a problem. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But... Ian Holloway then got fined, and I don't know why. This is because Ian Holloway's not a that. He's not, he's quite shrewd with what he does. I, I was really surprised that he never at the time turned around and said, you said at the start of the season, I've got to give 25 players named in my first team squad. Each one of these 25 players were, each of my 11, starting 11, were in that 25-man squad. So you're now telling me my squad's not good enough. Yeah. It was weird how he got fined for using the players that he already had in his squad. Exactly. And, and it was just weird. As you say, they've got extended squads. Yeah, fair enough. If, if you're starting to put people in, they've got numbers 89, 63. But at this point, they actually needed to have a, a certain number of players in a squad that were named. He was yeah. actually using these named squad players. Yeah. So, yeah, and just on that point, that's just reminded me of something. It was something that I tweeted that I thought was really, really funny. Uh, one of the what football club was it that retired one of the numbers? Birmingham City. Yeah, Birmingham City uh, retired one of their numbers, and there was a tweet from I think um, was it Stourbridge? Yeah. Saying that we've um, decided to retire the number twenty-five, uh, and he says. Not for any other reason that a non-league side should never have any number 25 on the back of their shirts. <laughs> and I just thought it was absolutely brilliant. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It was just it was just one of these ones where it was um, it just showed that why they retired the number. The guys just moved. Do you know what I mean? It wasn't like he'd passed away. Well, the guy's also 17 years old and hasn't played 50 games for the club. Exactly. Um, and- I think it was a move to try and get publicity. I really don't think there was a, there was any other reason to it. Um, I think it was a move to try and get publicity, and you know, bad publicity is good publicity. Do you know what I mean? Any pub- publicity is good publicity, and especially that on Bir- Birmingham's end, 
Um, obviously got a lot of stick for it, but I think it's a, it's oddly a strong marketing technique because they were going to get a lot of tweets, they were going to get a lot of retweets, a lot of likes, things like that. Um, but this, I think this brings into the debate the whole argument over squad numbers. Should they, should it be one to eleven? I don't think it's sh- well. I like it at Nantwich's level where it is one to eleven because it. Oh, makes, I agree. It makes things a whole hell of a lot easier. But unfortunately, in today's uh, modern football, where you know a number is marketable, it just wouldn't work in the Premier League. Um, but in non-league, especially where obviously you can't, you need, uh, you've got you know twenty shirts, maybe tw- maybe maybe got two versions of a of a number two shirt and things like that. You've only got that many shirts, so you can't really have squad numbers. Um, so it is a, uh, is a little bit difficult in that regard. But um, no, I completely uh, I completely agree with Stourbridge. I do love the the number one to eleven. Um, it, I think it makes things a hell of a lot easier when it comes to team management. But I also can't be having with like any of this high numbers malarkey. You know, kids being given the number eighty and things like that. Not I can't be having with that and. Alexander Arnold for Liverpool having 66. And I, is there a reason for that? I'm not entirely sure. Um, but he's a right back. He should be wearing number two. Do you know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I think one of the biggest ones is the keeper for AC Milan. Uh, is it Donnarumma? I think it is. He wears number 99. 99 for a goalkeeper. Um, I think that might be the year he's born, but even so, it's ridiculous. Although, actually, saying that doesn't top my favourite Murray, and here's one of it. Rue Patricio, the goalkeeper for Wolves, wears the number 11. The, the number 11 is worn by a goalkeeper for Wolves. That's uh, ridiculous. The thing is, I do know when they first brought these in, there's lots of con- a lot of people that were from France, because I think there's um, 99 regionales in yeah. France. And a lot of a lot of the players would pick the number of the region that they were born. Okay. So that I don't know that if, why some people that because I do know that it's because I think um, all the districts and stuff like that they actually have, they pick the number they come from because especially if you sort of, if you think about Cheshire West or Cheshire East somewhere where there's not that many big clubs. <laughs> okay, fair enough. You know what I mean. Yeah. And and then you make it to the top end, they might actually pick that number. I don't know. So. But, but you've actually found that tweet. Uh, it says, Stourbridge will retire the number 22 shirt following Birmingham City's decision to retire the Jude Bellingham shirt. This is due to the fact we play non-league and we think shirt numbers over 20 are pretty ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah, exactly, 100%. Pretty good so, I mean, That was quite impressive how we went off a complete tangent that wasn't even on the list. We're getting good at this. <laughs> we, might to, we might have to keep trying to do that. Uh, talking of the other things about talking about league, the salary cap has come in uh, in League One and League Two. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That I think, speaking as a Scotsman who follows a team in the Scottish Championship, not the Premier League anymore, uh, I think that'll actually end up with a lot of players potentially. Decent players in League One and League Two moving up and trying it in the top flight in Scotland. Because when you look at a, a 2.5 million cap on um, players in League Two, that's actually um, not that much. 
when you think about it, because if say you've got 25 players, you're you're then paying a hundred thousand pound, which is two thousand pound a week, mm-hmm. to the players, and that's not very. Um, no disrespect, that's not actually that big amount of money, and that'll only be for the tend to be for the bigger players. Yeah. So it's um, I I just think it's uh, it is quite it's quite interesting the way that they're going there because. When you look through it, it's calculated using basic wages, taxes, fair enough. It includes bonuses, agent fees, and other fees that are paid directly to registered players. So the fact that it includes bonuses is quite interesting. Doesn't allow any loopholes. Yeah, because if you think, because the only thing, the only bonuses it does allow is for where you finish in the league. Yeah. And progression in the cups, which is actually that's actually quite good. Do you know what I mean? Because if you get promotion, you get a bonus because the club get a, the club get a bonus. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So it fits in. You get if we say if the Nantwich player said, oh, you get to the first round proper, you get a hundred pound bonus of the FA Cup. That's fine because the money's coming from it. Mm-hmm. And I I really think it's it's quite interesting, especially with all the agent fees. And I like the idea, but I also, I do have some drawbacks about it. Because you look at a club like Sunderland, mm-hmm. who have been mismanaged, or I wouldn't say mismanaged, that's wrong. I take that back. But have not been financially, that have, have not been, have not done well managerially and had decent teams. You've had Jack Ross, uh, who came in. They've had, they've had a turnover of staff that have come in. But they are now down in that division, but they'll they'll still be getting thirty five, forty thousand a week. Yeah. And then they'll be playing teams that are getting five thousand a week. Yeah. I think there should almost be a sliding scale uh, of saying it's got to be this has got to be a certain percentage of their income. Yeah. You know what I mean, sixty percent wages to do following the same thing because. Yeah, they, they know that they'll get 2.5 million because that'll come in potentially from uh, sponsorship and television money, etc. But there should surely be a top up, even if they said you're allowed to spend two million pound, mm-hmm. but a top up based on other things. So therefore, because what you could end up happening is that Sunderland just has, uh, I was going to say, it, it could be that a, a, a big club or Wigan, yeah. Bolton, who got they've got potential of getting big numbers, or Man City when they were down because they were still getting thirty five, forty thousand, weren't they? When they were in League Two, the old Division Four, they would then be scuppered if they've got a, a manager that's they've got, almost got to get that better because he can't get the better players to come in, and it's it's just about. Um, I just think I like the idea, but I think they've got to try and build in a an additional scheme so it doesn't penalise the bigger clubs. Yeah. Look, the bit so we 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 both follow sports in America that have a salary cap, money, yeah. and yeah. that depends on the teams being able to pay that much money, and all if not most of the time, uh, you know a team will be able to pay a little bit 
less than that salary cap. But in Britain, there's a disproportionate... If this was a Premier League salary cap, then I think it might work a little bit better. Yes. In League 1 and League 2, in League 1 especially, you've got teams, as you say, like Sunderland, who will pull in some really good gates. Portsmouth, um, Ipswich are still in League 1. And you've got teams on the other end of the spectrum, like AFC Wimbledon, Crew Alexandra, teams like that. And you just think there's a massive disparity between the size, the relative size of the club, because in America, in the in the National Football League, in in, in that in that division, every team plays in a you know seventy thousand stadium, seventy thousand seater stadium plus, and whereas you know the stadium light is forty fifty thousand seater, it compared to Crew, which is you know twenty percent of that is ten thousand seater. So in that regard, I think it strikes me as a little bit straight, and Crewelix will not be paying anyone. Well, you know, they're, they're, if it's if it's what two and a half million or something like that, the salary cap for the year, you know, Crew Alexandra will come nowhere near that. You would, you would imagine. Whereas Sunderland, you know, I don't know if, you've, if, I don't know if any of you subscribe to the Athletic, but some of the articles about Sunderland on there, the fact that they were paying Jack Rodwell seventy thousand pounds in the Championship, you know, talking about mismanagement. I think you you'd be um, surprised at how much clubs are getting clubs are actually paying in the lower leagues because I know uh, oh it has been reported I was going to say I know it's been reported that some of the Scottish Premier League clubs are are outbid by teams in the National League for players and they're offering the National League probably not so much but there's something like there's two there, there, a lot of teams are playing two and a half three thousand pounds a week for lots of good a lot of players every year and that's um, not looking at it from the, the point of view there so I, I think 2.5 million is actually that much when you look at it compared to what a lot of them are, are spending on it's because I was surprised when they did a breakdown of it and it's like Hearts can just about afford it and I know what they're sort of paying they, they pay upwards of two and a half top 3,000 a week but, they, but they're the ones we've got They've got a crowd, they get crowds of about 17,000, 18,000 a week. Do you know what I mean? But there's not as much money. But then that's only the top players that are on that. But the clubs in England, because they get so much money from the, where do you call it, the TV, they're spending lots of money. But then they're also starting to spend money that they haven't got because they get built into it. Yeah. I mean, this is the, the only thing is that the... Because the reason why the salary cap hasn't been brought in, in in the Premier League is because, you know, if for example, if a top top player, if a top top player had the chance to come over and play um, in the Premier League and a team couldn't afford it due to salary cap regulations, the Premier League I can guarantee you would not say you can't sign that player. This is why. In rugby league, in rugby league, Murray, and they, their salary cap in the Super League has what we call um, marquee players. Yeah, they've got that in rugby union as well. Oh, have these, have these as well. Now, marquee players, uh, are, and I think they do it in the MLS as well. I think this is why David Beckham was able to go and play in 2007 at LA Galaxy. The marquee players allow you to um, sort of exempt the salary cap rules for a certain player. So that might work a little bit better in the lower leagues. But again, I think it's a bit difficult to use the word marquee when it comes to League One and League Two. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. 
the whole salary cap thing is a bit difficult because exactly for example you know Manchester City have been involved in financial scandals recently obviously got cleared by cast for the European thing but this it would send financial fair play to bed um say if Manchester City were on the brink of signing Lionel Messi for example you know I mean obviously very unlikely but it has been rumored before especially with the Guardiola connection if they were going to sign Messi then and they they were already on the brink of breaking the salary cap rules I'm not I'm not entirely sure the Premier League would say would turn around to Man City and say well we're not going to let you sign Lionel Messi think of all the think of all the people that have turned their eyes onto the Premier League that aren't already you know we're, we're right for that thanks no it wouldn't happen so maybe that's the reason why they're trialing it in the lower league and it also stops I suppose unfair competition where a team such as maybe Salford who were sort of financially backed by a billionaire in uh, in Singapore are able to rise up quickly through the leagues and things like that I don't know is it it's different- I agree with that yeah I'm, yeah I'm with you there I I agree uh, when you're saying about the fact that you can get people that throw money because Hearts went through that they had we had a Champions League winner. Uh, we had a European Championship winner because the person was just throwing money at them. And yeah. I agree that they've got to have some checks and balances. But I just think by doing a blanket one, it actually affects the bigger clubs because they'll potentially struggle to get out of there. Yeah. And then when they do get out of there, getting players to come in. Yeah. While the, the smaller clubs, because at least if they've got these bigger ones, and I know what you mean about the marquee players, but I just think they've got to have some checks and balances to say to allow how they do it. I don't know. <laughs> That's going to be the big thing. How they do it, I don't know. Well, but, if, sorry, if we go back to our just the NFL, for example, the reason and, and any sport in the, in America, the reason that works so well is not only because everyone's got the same amount of stadiums, because there's no promotion, there's no relegation. If you don't win a game, then you're going to get the best pick in the next draft. Like, you're going to get the best selection out of any of the upcoming players. There's always... The NFL has a way, and I think every American sport does, the NFL has a way of making sure that everyone uh, is on a level playing field. If you're mismanaged, then that's a completely different thing. I think anyone who knows about the Cleveland Browns over the last couple of seasons will know that you know they've had hundreds of millions of pounds splashed out on um hundreds of millions of dollars just saying splashed out on free agent signings they've had lots of number one picks and still aren't very good because obviously they've been mismanaged so it's up to them whether to manage their club right but the nfl does all they can to make sure that there is healthy competition whereas in our leagues and in league one and league two there is promotion and relegation there is a a chance for big clubs to come down and i think that is what harms the salary cap especially in britain again like in Super League, there is there is promotion relegation, but you can pretty much guarantee the same twelve teams are going to be in the league every year. My, you know, there's one I think automatic relegation spot, and then and then the uh, the million pound game, which sort of is always going to be realistically is always going to be won by the Super League team. So it's pretty uh, pretty easy to decide who is going to be in the um, in the in the in the in the Super League that season. So that's the only thing I think that that is. Um, sort of disadvantages a, uh, a, sp- a salary cap in Britain. Yeah, but I think the thing that you, that you mentioned about the draft system, that's a big difference, is that the, it's, it's that limited pool of players where they all come from. And that's the thing that they can they can build up and you can turn, because I remember when San Francisco used to be 
uh, nailing everybody. And now they're almost also rands. And but the thing is, but they pull all the money, all shirt deals, everything gets pulled in, and then it gets given out. Mm-hmm. And then you get the draft. So you've got the budget to say, well, actually, if I want this, for, if I've got this first round draft, I can offer them this. And then they've got to be, and they've got to be more savvy, which is slightly different from, I think, but I'm saying that in America, some of the, 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 the biggest crowds that they get for um, sport is actually college football. Exactly, yeah. Because I think, I think is it, uh, there's a stadium that's got 130,000 capacity. Well, so, with college football and the, the massive appeal for that over there is, you know, a lot of people, a lot of states, you know, there's 50 states in America and there's 32 NFL teams and every state will have a big, well, I say every state will have a big college team. Every state will have a pretty successful or relatively successful college football team. Um, and, you know, people say it's a purer version of the game. The players don't get paid, whether you agree with that uh, or not, is, you know, a completely different issue. The players don't get paid anything. And while they're in college, they're restricted from, you know, they're restricted from earning money based on football, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, as, as I say, you can disagree with that if you want. I personally do. So that's the and the college football is a massive sport over here, but you don't really have the equivalent over here. I suppose it, this, the, the alternative would be going 130,000 people going to watch an under 18s game, which, you know, you know, is ridiculous. But that's pretty much what it is in America. Um, so I, it's a bit difficult when it comes to that. But. No, I agree that that's the major. That's the one of the main differences between us in Britain and those in America is that they don't have promotion relegation, but they have college football. A chance to select the country's best players coming into the NFL. The NFL. Yeah, absolutely, I agree with that 100. percent So uh, one other thing is, I know a lot of people won't agree with this, but I was going to say congratulations to Phil Parkinson on getting his Ottingham team up into the National League, won the three playoff matches away at York, away at Boston United, and I think they beat Chester at home. So congratulations to Phil and also to Toby Malarkey and Josh Hancock. And there's another person, I can't remember who it is. Is it Andy White? Although he didn't play in the match. Congratulations to all to them. So they'll be playing in the National League next season. And... On that point, that's what I was going to say. When we talk, we've always gone on about managers moving up from one position to another. You've got the manager that has moved from Weymouth, uh, Mark Mosley, who's left Weymouth, who he, he got into the National League as well through the playoffs, has moved to Southend United, who have yeah. just been relegated to League Two. Yeah. Well, that's a really good deal, that is. I mean... It, it, as I mean, I'm going to go blue in the face for the amount of times we've talked about this on the podcast. But as we've said before, non-league, excellent bre- uh, breeding ground for uh, future managers. Um, so excellent to see that they've uh, they've sort of had a look at a non-league team and thought, you know, that is what we want to. That's what we want to do. We want to um, put in that sort of experience from non-league and uh, bring a new manager. Brilliant to see that. Yeah, and um, as you see. It's the way that it goes. South Shields. What's the big news from South Shields then, Ryan? Oh, don't get me started on that. Oh, come on. You're the bit. You're their biggest fan. No, I can't be having with it. Absolutely, absolutely ridiculous. I can't be having with it. I think it's absolutely shambolic. I mean, I know why they've done it, and it's 
you know, it'll get clicks on social media, but, you know, it's ridiculous. I can't be honest. No, not for me. So South Shields, if you haven't seen already, have um, appointed a new honorary president. The um, one of the one of the women from Little Mix. Um, I think she's from South Shield, so obviously makes sense in that regard. Um, but I can't be on with any of this honorary board members. No, I'm, it's like when Ollie Mers decided to play for a, a non-league team when he wasn't actually any good. If you've ever watched him in soccer, aid, he's absolutely useless, and it, it just baffles me that we can that we bring in these celebrities and it's just no not for me i can't can't be talking about it can't be having it for someone that wasn't going to talk about it you actually have explained everything i want to know do you know what her name is uh no i don't know what her name is what's her name it's jade thurwell oh okay yeah jade thurwell yeah but um as you say it's when they say to a certain extent it's a bit like um robbie williams and port vale he's a big vale fan isn't he uh, robbie williams yeah, so it's one of these ones, because that's what I was going to say, it's for homework. Who should be the honorary president of Natwich Town? See, that's a really good question, actually. Thank you. <laughs> you don't think I think about these things? Well, no, I think that is a really good... Um, homework. Yeah, really good homework. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, I wouldn't even know where to think when it comes to honorary presidents of Natwich. Yeah, uh, but it doesn't have to be somebody from Nantwich, but you about, can come up with some date that come, you say yes, and then as long as you can link it. How about Paul Pogba? Why? Because of the dabbing thing, and we're obviously we're the dabbers. Yeah, something like that. That's that's ideal. Something like that. Because I was actually trying to think of people that are well known, for, well not well known people that have been successful in other. Um, uh, other walks of life that could be because that, that's where um, Jade Thurwell's coming from there uh, so that that allowed her to do it then you would have had like to a certain extent um, oh, what's, what do you call it uh, with the, we said about Robbie Robbie Williams yeah. we've got Nick Hancock for Stoke City yeah the only person I, I could think of still was, uh, was Tom Curry yeah at sales yeah. Yeah, 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 the sale, sale Sharks in England International. Nantwich, isn't he? Nantwich uh, rugby, yeah. Yeah, Nantwich uh, through and through. I'm not, I don't even know. No, I I say that, we'll set that as a homework. Yeah, sounds good. So we will put that on the homework, is who would we have as our honorary president? And I will not accept the position and neither will Ryan. <laughs> so before we go there, so we've got South Shields and that. Is there anything else that you want to talk about? I don't think so. Good. Because I was going to say, because I've got this thing about COVID and Scottish football. But at the moment, um, I might just kicked off the airs for some of the expletives I would use. Because I think I said that in the WhatsApp group, didn't I? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, saying it's just, it goes from bad to worse. Oh, what, on that little thing, I know I'm going to, I didn't, wasn't going to talk about it. But hearts have been banned from training uh because uh, of what happened with the Aberdeen players and the Celtic players. Yeah. Hearts where Hearts do their training at Heriot University. Hull City are training there. Yeah. Hull City are allowed to train. <laughs> but Hearts aren't. Well, we've seen that Nicholas Sturgeon is is given giving Scottish football the yellow card, Murray, and uh, is very close to bringing out the red card. So obviously I don't blame her. <laughs> 
Um, no, I mean, I think also, firstly, can football analogies please be banned from politicians? I can't be having with it. I'm not a fan. Uh, she was talking about she was talking about the football, and I do think she needed to do it because when you actually look at what happened, was that they actually they were supposed to be staying in their own bubble, and yeah. oh, well, we're, going, we're talking about it now anyway. Uh, Aberdeen had lost one 0 to Rangers, yeah. and eight players, including uh, Nat Twitch Town, uh, Sam Cosgrove, yeah, was went out went out for a meal. Fair enough. And then some of them went out to the pub, which included the pub that had the spike in that led to Aberdeen being shut down. So two of them then tested positive for COVID. Yeah. So these eight players had to then self-isolate, ended up with three games being cancelled. Yeah. And you're like looking at this, they're professional sportsmen. Yeah. You're going out to a pub. I know you're young, young people, but you've got a special dispensation because... You're not allowed, like, rugby clubs in Scotland uh, at any level aren't allowed to train, up, except for the professional ones yeah. Edinburgh and Glasgow. But that's because they've got to be in the bubble, a bit like what Liverpool were in, Man United were in. They have yeah. to stay in that bubble. And they've got special dispensation to play if they stuck to it, and they didn't. Yeah, exactly. You know, like, going and going and saying, but the thing was, what makes it worse is Sam Cosgrove is injured. Yeah. So what he was doing out, yeah, it's. Um, I didn't say I was. I'm, I'm doing what you did. I wasn't going to talk about it. Well, you can, you love a good criticism of Sam Cosgrove. I don't think you've ever. I've ever heard you say a good word about it. No, no. I, Sam Cosgrove's a, a decent player. I just don't think he's up to the level that he's. Um, sure, but I haven't said that. Jamie Vardy started at that level. Yeah. So it's one of these ones. But yes, we will not. We might go onto this when I've actually calmed down about the fact that Hearts can't train, but Hull City can. <laughs> using the same stadium. So, right, just having a quick look through my notes. I don't think there's anything else. We've got the homework, which is who would you have as the honorary president of Natwich Town? Doesn't have to be somebody from from Natwich, but if you can make a link, like what you did with Paul Pogba, because of his dabbing. But yeah, think anything like that and come up with it. We will. Join us again. I think we'll try and get another one in, in probably the next week or so. If you want to get in contact with us and uh, do the homework, contact the podcast at NTFC Podcast. Contact me, Murray Watson, at MD Watts. Yeah. Contact Ryan. Uh, at Ryan Batty13. And also, you can find all previous episodes on my website at www.mdwatsonsport.com and click on the podcast tab. Also, if anybody knows how to sort it out so it goes onto Apple Podcasts, please let me know. I've tried it. I've got the RSSS sorted up. No, not the RSS sorted. I've got all the tags on, but it keeps rejecting me. So um, it might just be me. <laughs> but um, if anybody knows how to do that, please drop me a line. Uh, to get onto Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts, so therefore you then don't have to <coughs> have access to the website when you're listening. But yes, thanks for listening. It's been very good hearing from you. We'll try and get one in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, sounds good. Before before I go back to work. So Sorry. um, there's only one thing left to say, isn't there, Ryan? Indeed, up the dabbers. Up the dabbers. <laughs>